0: Green Left Weekly Radio. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests and that's Green Left Weekly. It's the people's voice
1: committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability,
0: democracy, and equality. It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It's the leading source of local, national, and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti capitalist movements.
1: It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us.
2: And Good morning, Melbourne. This is Zane, and we've also got Ewan in the studio, and we've got Lali next door. You are listening to Green Left Radio on 3CR. Um, This morning, if it all lines up, we are bringing you a pretty exclusive interview with uh, John Setka, the Victorian Secretary of the CFMEU. now, our discussion today will look at some general issues around the construction union and some of what's been going on with the Trade Union Royal Commission. We cannot talk about the specifics of um, proceedings that are happening in the Victorian Magistrates Court um, because it's it's a live uh, case and we're not allowed to talk about that, but we will be talking about general um, issues relating to trade union organising in Australia and in the construction union specifically, which is, uh, as many people would know, a particularly dangerous industry and also an industry that over the last probably 40 years or so has has been one of the better organised unions, um, one of the better organised areas of work and... Um, yeah, unions have been able to secure much safer workplaces than was historically the case and better pay and conditions for their workers. And that's a good thing. All right. Um, a couple of news items. We're, we're wanting to have an extended <clears throat> interview if we can this week. Um, just before we go to that extended interview though, there are a couple of news items we should report on, uh. Elections have uh, happened over the weekend in Venezuela and the um, United Socialist Party of Venezuela, the PSUV, has lost its second uh, election in only 17 years and they've unfortunately um, lost government to the Conservatives over in Venezuela. Um, There's been a an economic war basically waged against, uh, the Venezuelan government. Uh, the threat of a good example was something that, uh, capital were keen to stomp out. So there's been shortages of food and there's been various, uh, economic problems plaguing Venezuela. And it hasn't been helped by the drop in the global oil price in recent years, Venezuela, while well, seeking to diversify its economy, is nonetheless still heavily reliant on uh, oil exports. So uh, at the latest count that I'm aware of, the Conservatives have won from the MUD Coalition, the aptly named MUD Coalition, um, have won 110 out of 167 seats in the Venezuelan parliament. Um, the United Socialist Party have won uh, 55 out of 167 seats, and um, there's two seats still to be uh, still being um, counted. It's like, gone down to the line. Now, if the Conservatives win those last two seats, they will have a two-thirds majority in the Parliament, and that allows them to do. Um, uh, It gives them extra powers. Uh, The Venezuelan electoral system allows, um, you know, if a party wins a two-thirds majority, they can call a constituent assembly and make amendments to the constitution. They can um, censor and and impeach the president and a few other things. So the socialists, uh, Nicolas Maduro, is still the president of Venezuela. Uh, But, yeah, they've... Uh, lost control of the parliament, so pretty uh, disappointing because Venezuela, of of all the global south countries, has really been leading the way um, over the last 15 years or so. Lots of um, pro-poor programs, um, various social missions, housing, um, subsidized food, Cuban doctors, eliminating illiteracy, uh, replanting hundred million trees across Venezuela. The list goes on and on. Um, and, and basically the, the vibe on the ground over there is that, um, the, even though the, um, the United Socialist Party of Venezuela is is far more connected to the grassroots and has much more of an activist base than in pretty much any other country around the world, they've nonetheless uh, lost the uh, degree of dynamic connection between the grassroots and the parliamentary wing of the party that was historically the strength of it, and they need to re-strengthen that... um, that connection again so there's certainly the vibe coming out of venezuela from from left-wing activists there is that this is a a wake-up call and they've got to rebuild and and sort of uh yeah get the get the party cranking again and and strengthen the grassroots and tackle um bureaucracy within the party so uh definitely a setback but uh one that is going to be confronted. So that is going to be a place to keep our eyes on in coming months and years, Venezuela. Uh, Now, the other news item to report on is um, the 10-year anniversary of the disgraceful Cronulla race riots, um, which is happening this weekend. And a bunch of... um, right-wing and fascist group of schools have decided to have a, um, commemoration, uh, rally, uh, in Cronulla and a bunch of people are counter protesting that and said, Hey, this is a really disgusting, um, horrible thing that happened 10 years ago and it's not something to celebrate. And, um, Something has happened that is unusual in that the New South Wales police and I think the Cronulla local government have applied to the Supreme Court to stop the uh, rally from going ahead, uh, basically, because it's just going to be another um, another racist fiesta. Um, So that's somewhat unusual i've been involved in organizing uh a few protests over the years the police will sometimes say you need permission you need to fill in this form one or we're gonna you know stop you from uh having your rally it's rare that it actually happens and that's reserved for special circumstances such as um yeah like exceptionally abhorrent um Um, uh, events like like this Cronulla commemoration in inverted commas that are that there's a very good chance that it will just boil over into a a outright lynch mob again like the original Cronulla riots were with people just randomly (laughs) running around and trying to you know beat up anyone who's who's not white so I understand that that Matter came before the Supreme Court in New South Wales yesterday, or the day before. I just checked Google News before, and I was not able to see what the outcome of that court case is. The um, the Party for Freedom, I believe they're called. They've gone to court and said, no, we want to have our you uh, know um, commemoration at Cronulla. Uh, and I think that that's been heard over the last couple of days, and the outcome, I'm pretty sure, will be announced today. So that is something to, um, yes, keep an eye out for, keep an ear out for as the day goes on. Um, yes, what's uh, what else is new, Ewan?
0: Um, well, we've got the the upcoming Christmas party for the Socialist Alliance. I oh, yes. announce that?
2: Oh yeah. It's, on uh, the
0: Sunday the th-
2: 13th. Yep. Uh check out the Socialist Alliance website.
0: For details. Yeah, I think it's yep. in Fairfield. Is it? all welcome to Come Along.
2: Yeah. Uh I th- I think the Socialist Party are having a Christmas party as well. Was that uh oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what day yeah. it is, but I'm sure you could check it out on uh Facebook. Hey, that's another um news item this week. Uh, I couldn't actually recall the person's name, but there's someone who's just come back from a, um, a sort of solidarity brigade in um, in Kurdistan fighting against uh, ISIS. So there was a young man who I think was about 22 years old who's been working with the um, YPG... YPG or YPJ. One of them is the People's Protection Units, and the other one is the Women's Protection Units mm. in Kurdistan. Um, so this person has been over in the Kurdish parts of, of northern Syria, in Rojava, and has been going through um, areas that have been liberated by, um, by the Kurds from ISIS and has been going through and helping clear mines, um, and they've, uh, yes, he's just arrived back, and I think the police may have met him at the airport because, um, yeah, under Australian law, the um, the Kurdistan Workers' Party is still considered a terrorist organisation, which is outrageous. Um, and that's not what they are. Um, so that will be another, another thing to keep your eye on is this case and will the authorities proceed and try and prosecute this person for going over there to support the Kurds, getting rid of landmines out of, uh, towns that were previously occupied by Daesh, uh, or... Will a, uh will public sentiment mean that they don't actually proceed with that? That that would be interesting to keep an eye on. Um so, Lali, having uh having a bit of trouble raising John Setka this morning.
1: Yes, yes. Not available at this stage.
2: Fair enough. will get on to him. I'm sure he's uh, quite busy at the moment. Very Um Yes, so uh, there
1: are a number of issues actually around that, um, the CFMU matter, which is much broader than just trade union. Um, I um, had a discussion with another friend of mine who works within the, the movement, and I think the, the most important issue is that the, the biggest strategy that's employed by the government. They're attacking the trade unions for a, f- a fundamental issue. I don't know if you've mentioned that, but um, most people probably don't realise that's about fifteen, $15 trillion dollars in the industry super funds, mm. and fifty uh, percent of the board is occupied by the unions, and the other fifty is by the employers. Mm. The key attacking strategy now is around that um, the private. Um, organization trying to get their mitts on to the the workers' money. Mm. So what you have is the attempt to demonize trade unions, and particularly the CFMU. You criminalize them for mm. a start, and then you demonize them and make them feel awful. So it's a two-pronged, two-pronged attack. One is that you discourage union membership by portraying the unions as demons or criminals. And then you also then have the legitimacy to say, well, these guys are criminals, so they should get off the board of the, super, the industry super fund. Hmm. So that's what they're doing. So the other side of that is that once they weaken the union and and they take, the, they take them off the board, that means any fundraising for the ALP that's done through that pathway, it dries up. In fact, they have been attacking Daniel Andrews um, Cfmu is, is is the uh, is a member of the ALP um, affiliated. in Victoria, affiliated yeah. Mm. So what happens is you know he, they they've been badgering uh, the premier to expel the Cfmu from um, affiliation. But it was stupid. It's like asking the the ALP to commit suicide. You know, dry up your your funding source. But this this criminalization aspect is very broad, mm. very targeted. Very well designed and it's a step by step process. And this blackmailing thing is also very really interesting because, uh, you know, before Work Choices, we had the labor law or arbitration lawyers, the arbitration actors, we called it. And then it moved to Work Choices where you were individuals with the AWA and stuff like mm. that. You you were brought to court as an individual, not as part of a union, mm. except where you're strongly unionized, of course. Now, the, the second step of that is. That you bring criminal law into the labour law arena, so it's it's so blackmail now is a criminal law as opposed to what it was before, when it was a trade union negotiation. You say if you don't give me all you want, we go on strike. Mm. That's classified as blackmail on the job.
2: Yeah, and this has been um, kind of like pioneered by this trade union royal commission. Uh, I understand that charges were laid against. Um, ACT CFMEU construction organiser, John Lomax, who uh, used to be a famous uh, rugby league player and represented the Kiwis. And um, blackmail charges were laid against John Lomax. And the, the basis of those charges was that the CFMEU, or John Lomax representing the CFMEU, had told a painting contractor, if you want to work as a contractor on this um job site in in the middle of Canberra which has a union um organized EBA you have to pay the wages and conditions under that EBA you can't we're not going to fight for uh, certain wages and conditions and then have you know random contractors just be brought in hmm. and undercut those wages and conditions. And my understanding is that this was portrayed as blackmail because yeah. if you're um, threatening to withdraw your labour and go on strike because someone's not paying the EBA wages, that's that threat of going on strike is blackmail.
1: But it cuts both ways. That's the interesting part because they've never brought this blackmail uh, criminal charge into the... Uh, arbitration act or the, the the labor law arena in the past because it cuts both ways if the boss comes and says to you I want you to do this this and this and if you don't do it I'll psych you that can also be classified as blackmail hmm. so they haven't introduced this law until now And there's a certain amount of protection, obviously, the employees are getting. Otherwise, the government won't proceed the way it's proceeding. Hmm. So it's quite a nasty piece of um, action that's going on at the moment. It's not just demonizing John Setker or anybody else's murder. There are hundreds of John I mean, we come mm, from days mm. of uh, John Cummins and so on, you know, so different people start stepping up the leadership role, but they keep knocking them down. But what we have to recognize is it's a broader, bigger strategy, but the trade unions are being hammered by the liberal government. Mm. And this is the strategy that's going on mm. that is completely disarmed the workers as a whole, which means the two reasons for that. One is you give the employers access to that fifteen trillion dollars. The other aspect is that they can introduce harsher austerity measures mm. because they don't have any fight back. Mm. You don't have the trade unions to support you and defend you against the attacks of this this liberal government. Mm. So it's quite vicious and nasty and it's it's poisonous stuff and people don't don't think globally like that because the media never presents it like that Mm. and i think we should discuss this a bit more if we get a hold of john said next time
2: Mm. we really have to
1: explore it
2: yeah and i think um the it's interesting too that the charges were dropped in uh in the act yes um and i i just think it's absurd like we're not slaves you've got Workers have a right Are you to, sure? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> have you pretty, a, I will argue <laughs> until my dying day that we are not slaves and that workers have got the right to withdraw their labour and that it is not blackmail for us to say, we're going on strike. If you don't pay us the right wages, if we don't have a safe workplace, we're going on strike. That is not blackmail. That is basic workers' rights.
1: But I think that's that's, that's also another aspect of this whole dispute that people haven't talked about is the signing of the TPP. Parliament's going to discuss the TPP in February. Mm. Then three months, they'll wrap it up and sign it. So they're preparing the grounds for the global conglomerates to come in here. And now they've got ideal conditions to operate because, hey, workers are – Rock bottom. They have no defense. Trade unions are, are, you know, just stuffed out. So, what you have is a defenseless workforce who will be slaves.
2: Mm. Well, I mean, that's if there's not a fight, which remains to be seen. I mean, I, I'm I furious. Was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was interesting after the charges were laid against uh, John Setka, um, I, I saw a video. Um, just this week and it said that, um, the, the police pulled John Setka and the, the other, um, CFMEU organiser, uh, what's his name? Is it John Reardon? Yeah, John Reardon. Um, uh, and there's also Sean another Reardon.
1: one, the three of them. Sean
2: Reardon. Yeah. Sean Reardon. Sean
1: Reardon. Right. Yeah, Sean. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they were sort of like pulled over on, on Sunday. John Setka had been at Vic Markets with his family. and yeah, got his kids. Yeah. Pulled over by the cops with his kids and and partner in the car, and it's so, as he said, why, why do this? We can, we've we've told the the Royal Commission and the police, you know, if we'll cooperate, if you want to have meetings, if you need to talk to us, we're uh, we're always just a phone call away. But still, they felt the need for this kind of charade with a drama for the media Mm. it's
1: it's just a propaganda aspect of it you know it's well
2: planned Mm. um now was one thing that i was uh keen to to ask john about and which i keep coming back to is uh in there's this graph that the actu put out a few years back and it's a really good graph on one side it shows the share of of Australian wealth that's going to workers and it's going to the capitalists.
1: Oh, yes. yes.
2: Now, the other line on the graph shows the amount of industrial action. Yes. The number of strike days. Yes. Now, the, the year in which Australia saw its peak level of industrial activity and strike activity was 1974 and... Coincidentally, guess what year was the year that workers had the biggest share of Australian wealth? (laughs) Nineteen (laughs) seventy-four. Funny that, isn't it?
1: Well, if you look at the historical, uh, look at historically after nineteen seventy-four, what happened? The Accord came in ten years later, eighty-three. Mm. Uh, it started, the negotiations started in 1980. Um, Carmichael was, was the architect of the Accord in, in conjunction with Bob Hawke. And they brought it in 83. In 86, the nurses went on strike. They hated the nurses. That's why today, till today, you won't find Irene Walder's name in any research paper. Mm. Um, any any um, labor um, documentaries, you won't see it. Mm. Because they hate her with a vengeance. Because she that, that strike broke the accord. Hmm. You know, and people said, you know, the accord is there and we said that we won't go on strike, but hey, if the nurses can do it, so can we. And the nurses And you were involved in this, weren't I you? I was the organizer. Oh <laughs> so yeah. I know it. <laughs> and the thing is, the Nurses Strike had almost ninety percent support from the public. Hm. Mm. Diff, you know between 18 and eighty and 90, depending where you go and, and place, like I was organizing the western western area of victorian Ararat hospital it's got you know two two wards there were five nurses out there doing the knitting on the picket line that's how cute it was, but they were incensed you know mm. so that that's where the, the 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 income so you'll find the income drops after the accord mm. the amount of wealth distributed to to the workers goes down and the and the employers goes up. Mm. You also find that the profit margin goes, mm. you know, dramatically higher. Mm. It's, it's, it's all their design. It's a broader design. And that's what's happening now, that we need to look at the bigger picture and see what the hell is going on. It is not just attacking John Setka. It's not just attacking John and or even the CFMEU. Mm. It is attacking the working class as a whole. Mm. And unless trade hall workers and the community come behind this they mm. will pay a big price for this mm, we, will be, we will be we will be suffering worse than third world conditions that's what we will be suffering mm. you know that that's terrifying to think about because you go into a workplace and you have no conditions, you have no health and safety. And as as Ewan was saying before, in the old days when you had very good strong unions, you had, you know, two um, uh, tradespeople and two laborers who worked as a team to do a job. Now the laborers have gone only two, um, uh you know, um, skilled people on the job. They have all the work. Mm. So your, your work burden has doubled. Your wages haven't doubled. And your health and safety conditions have gone dramatically downwards. So... It's a gradual drop mm. in workers' rights, it wages, conditions, the whole works.
2: All right. I think we're a bit overdue for a mid-year. Just now one second. Way, way overdue. <laughs> we're almost
0: at the end of the show. You're <laughs> listening to Left Radio on the Friday I've morning breakfast show, broadcast live on 3CR Radio, 855 AM digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Green Left Radio is brought to you by the Green Left Weekly newspaper, providing a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment before profit. Subscribe to Green Left Weekly by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1800 634 206. For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues.
2: Uh, you are listening to Greenleaf Radio. Um,
1: got a bit excited there. <laughs> got yes. the time.
2: <laughs> you get that in the, on the big jobs, as they say. Um, <laughs> now, I just wanted to come back to Lali. We're talking about um, the broader picture of this ongoing uh, attack on trade unions by the Liberal government and how they've potentially got their eyes on our super funds, yes. which... Uh, mm. Would make sense because there's a fifteen trillion dollar motive for them to mm. want to remove union uh, control over those super funds and have exclusively uh, kind of corporate control and turn those into um, turn that cash into cash that can be you know used by employers thrown into the commodity money commodity profit cycle. Mm,
0: they'll probably. Uh, I I reckon they'll be trying to uh, round all that money up into funds, I- I exchange-traded funds, mm-hmm. and then put them on the stock market, and then they'll go up and down. Like, And it'll go
1: down full stop and full never stop. come up the way it's going. And, <laughs> yeah,
0: they'll, they'll short, probably short well, sell at them. Look what happened last week. Pop it, yeah.
2: Well, it's interesting too. Um, uh, Dave Karen from the Earthworker Co-op, he's very interested in this question of super funds, Uh, He describes it, in in his words, as a revolutionary situation um, because, um, yeah, there is so much money there. That's right. Banks and private companies have leveraged their money; they're in so much debt. Yep. And actually, the the most stable pile of money is that workers' money. So, yes. and the, and it potentially could be invested in things like renewable energy. So, Dave Carran describes that as having like a, a sort of a almost a revolutionary potential. That'd be excellent. That Fifteen trillion dollar yeah. pile of money. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, the flip side of that is if we can defend it, that workers' money can be put to very good use. Indeed. All right. Well, we're we're getting to the end of the end of the show so we should probably um
1: just one last thing if there's ever a call to defend trade unions i would encourage all community groups to actually come because this means
2: yeah it looks like there'll be uh potentially some uh union and community uh blockades pickets protest actions to uh defend the cfme or other unions that have attracted the attention of the uh, Trade Union Royal Commission. So keep an eye out for community protests. Uh, The CFMEU, of course, had a really strong snap action on, uh, was that Wednesday, the 8th? Tuesday or Wednesday? Anyway, there's like 8,000 construction workers in the city rallying to defend those uh, CFMEU workers that have been charged. So very, very good to see the, uh, the fight back's begun. All right. Uh, That's us for another week. Uh, Stick around for Beyond Zero Emissions Radio.
0: This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio. Green Left Radio is brought to you by the Green Left Weekly newspaper. Green Left Weekly provides a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment first. If you would like to subscribe to Green Left Weekly and get it delivered to your door, you can do so by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1-800-634-206. For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues. Thank you for listening. You are tuned to 3CR Community Radio 855 Digital on the AM dial and streaming live on 3cr.org.au.